Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme with John O'Connor. Later in our programme, grain and store supplies to plummet, water quality monitoring in League, plus other topics. But first, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society Area Sales Manager, Mr Daniel O'Sullivan, on reseeding. Daniel, welcome to the programme. Now, you've kindly agreed to talk to our listeners about reseeding. Why should a farmer reseed? Uh, well, John, I suppose the aim to reseeding is to have a high level of perennial ryegrass in your sward. Um, achieving high levels of grass production and animal performance from swards with low levels of perennial ryegrass can be very difficult. Um, low perennial ryegrass swards will grow less grass, especially in the spring when grass will be the most economic value to your to your farm. Low perennial ryegrass will be of lower quality and they'll support lower levels of production compared to new reseeds. Um, with reseeding, every extra ton of dry matter grass you'll grow on your farm can in- increase the profit by up to 181 euro per hectare for dairy farmers. Um, high high perennial ryegrass swards allow 8% higher milk output per hectare compared to all, all permanent pasture. With, um, with swards with low levels of perennial ryegrass aren't as responsive to nitrogen either. So with a new reseed, you'd be expecting up to 25% more response from your nitrogen application. Now, could I ask you, what fields should a farmer reseed? Yep, so farmers should look at their pasture-based records um, from the previous year, for 2022 in this case. So as long as farmers are measuring grass, they can look at their pasture-based records and and identify a a poorer performing field, um, which they could pull out in that year for reseeding. As regards nutrients, what nutrients are of importance when reseeding? You'd want to look at your, your pH, your lime, your P and K. So I suppose soil sampling would be a good start um, when, when reseeding. Lime is essential because as, as your old pasture decays and dies, it re- releases acids um, which lower the pH of your soil. And this can, can make a, a difficult environment for the new seeds trying to germinate. Um, in terms of your P and K, so the new seeds as a germinate requires phosphorus and potassium, um, which are essential for root and tiller development as, as the plant emerges. Now, in terms of grass varieties, what should a farmer look for, Daniel, in grass varieties? So that'll depend on the end goal, John, um, and what sort of field you're receiving. So I suppose a couple of examples, if you have a silage field that should be cutting two cuts of silage off, You'd be looking to use an intermediate variety with late May heading dates. You'd be looking for strong spring growth, high silage yield figures within the pasture profit index. Um, if you have a field that you'd be cutting one cut of silage and grazing, you'd be looking for intermediate varieties or early heading late varieties. You'd want to balance between spring growth, silage yield and grazing utilisation. Um, whereas then if uh, it's on the grazing platform if it's just a grazing field you're looking to reseed you'd be looking to use late heading varieties with strong spring growth strong summer growth and strong autumn growth as well as good grazing utilisation 
um, I suppose if you have a heavier soil or your your land is a bit softer and you want a good cast for the grass, you'd be looking to use high ground scoring varieties. Now, clover, should farmers consider clover? Uh, they should, John, definitely. Um, I suppose for derogation farmers, they, they must use clover within their reseeds, but I think myself that all farmers should be considering clover when reseeding. Um, clover is a legume, it fixes nitrogen directly from the atmosphere. Um, so essentially you can grow the same amount of grass with 100 units less chemical nitrogen per hectare. Um, and you can produce 33 kg extra milk solids per cow per year with clover in your sword. Um, the dairy gold grazing mixes come with, with zero clover, with standard clover as an option, which is enough to satisfy the nitrate regulation, and also an option with um, high clover, which is designed to achieve 20% clover in, in your reseed, in your paddock. Is establishment and persistency an issue with clover? It, it can be done, yeah, if it, I suppose if it's not treated correctly. Um, like you essentially you need your pH at 6.5 at a minimum in your fields. Um, you need to ensure your P and K indexes are good, let's say at an optimum level of index three for both. Um, when you're reseeding, you need good soil to seed contact. Um, moisture is also very important as well when you're when you're seeding it. Um, you don't want to leave it to the to the middle of summer when things are very dry. Um, and once the once the plant emerges, then you'd be you need um, good light down into the base of the sward, so you'd be looking to graze it fairly regularly, low covers fairly regularly to keep keep light down into the base of the sward. Um, in terms of pers- in terms of pers- persistency, um, with good management, chagas have have managed up to six seven years um, persistency of clover in their swords. Now. Can farmers have issues with bloat and clover? How can they mitigate against this? Uh, it can be an issue, all right, I suppose due to its higher quality. Across the summer, cows will, will graze the clover um, more preferably than the than grass. So the highest risk periods for bloat is when there's a very high level of clover content in the sward, um, when, clo- when cows could be hungry, um, and when the pasture has a low dry matter content. Um, to reduce the risk associated or to reduce the risk of bloat associated with clover, you'd look to aim to have clover in all your paddocks. Um, you have a strip wire maybe where, where it's needed. Um, and during times of increased risk, you could, you could look at adding bloat to the water. Is there growing interest in multi-species swords, the MSS? What exactly are they, the multi-species swords, MSS? Uh, so a multi-species sward, John, is any sward that has um, between three and 12 different species in the seed mix. So three to six is the optimum uh, to maximise the benefits and to allow the, the species, species to persist. Uh, but a multi-species sward must contain perennial ryegrass, uh, legumes such as clover and herbs. Uh, chicory and plantain are, are an example of herbs. Now, with MSS multi-species swards, what are the advantages to MSS multi-species swards? Uh, so, the, I suppose the, the advantages are, are dependent on the species used in the mix. But, um, for example, nitrogen fixation from clover, which I, I spoke about there previously, um, you can get reduced leaching of nitrogen from plantain. There's, um, there's good research there from New Zealand which shows the plantain can reduce nitrogen leaching. And there's also some 
trials ongoing in Ireland on that. Um, you have high palatability from clover and from herbs, so you can achieve high forage index for your cows. Um, higher protein silage, uh, as well as drought resistance. So the likes of plantain and chicory have deep roots, so they have greater tolerance for um, drought during the drier summer months. Um, as well as that there, I suppose the plantain chicory with the deeper roots, they can maybe mine nutrients from, from lower down or deeper in your soil as well. Well, certainly, Daniel, there's lots of positives there. So, you know, why isn't everyone actually using them, these MSS multi-species swords? Uh, well, I suppose there's a couple of issues with them as well, John, and uh, as, as they're pretty new, to, especially to Ireland, there's a, there's a lack of research. Um, there's more trials and information needed on them. Um, reseeding and overseeding costs can be high. So you have a higher initial cost and more frequent reseeding as well. Um, weed control can particularly challenge because where herbs are included in the mix, there's actually no herbicides available for the weed control. Um, as I mentioned earlier, with clover inclusion, bloat can be an issue. Um, and at the moment, we don't have any recommended list for the species other than perennial ryegrass and white clover. Looking to the future, is there any other new technology which is coming in this space? There is, yes. Um, so the likes of red clover foliages is something that farmers have been looking into in recent recent times. These crops can grow between 12 and 15 tonne dry matter grass with little or no chemical nitrogen. They are very hungry for P and K, however, with, uh, 60, with them requiring about 60 units of P and 200 units of K to, to grow the crop. But for further information, how can people obtain this? You can contact myself on 086-246-1648, or you can contact your local area sales manager or, or pop into your local branch where we have um, receiving brochures with, with different seed mixes and things, and plenty of information on them. That's grand. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Daniel O'Sullivan, Area Sales Manager, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society. Thank you, Daniel, very much indeed. Thanks, Emilio. Perfect. Thanks. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, Dr. Siobhan Walt, Tillage Editor for the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Siobhan, welcome to the programme. Now, very important, the headline, banner headline in the journal this week, Grain Area and straw supplies to plummet. What's the background to that? Hi, John. Some of those figures will come as no surprise to some people and, and maybe a shock to some, but look, tillage area in, in the country has ha, is, is declining this year. We saw an increase last year, um, probably as a result of, of the tillage incentive scheme. There was money there for, for people to go into tillage, and, and that scheme does remain this year, although we have no details of it. But basically, for the last few months in, in the Farmer's Journal, we have been writing about how land has been exiting the tillage sector. And basically, John, a lot of land is exiting the tillage sector because there is new nitrate rules being imposed on dairy farmers um, for, you know, the, the banding rules have changed. Um, and those dairy farmers are either being pushed to reduce stock numbers or increase their land area to dilute their stocking rate. And um, so basically, I suppose the, the, the land rental market has heated up and dairy farmers are, are winning that battle on the, the land rental market um, because they're able to hit, pay higher prices and in the meantime the tillage area is declining as a result. So the tillage area we've estimated, I should stress John, these are estimates and, and farmers are still planting away there's farmers planting spring barley potatoes, maize, beet are all still going in due to the bad weather um, the, the season is delayed 
but these are estimates and but good estimates that, that I've discussed with, you know, members of trade, the sea trade, agronomists across the country. And those estimates suggest that the tillage area is down by about eight thousand hectares. But then with that, the cereal area is down seventeen thousand hectares. So we've lost eight thousand hectares from the tillage area and then a further nine thousand hectares from the cereal area. And that cereal area has reduced as well because of farmers have moved to beans. So there's a payment there to grow protein crops in this country. So we now have 14,000 hectares of beans, we think. Um, and farmers move to beans because those crops don't require any nitrogen. Um, and we all know fertilizer is very expensive this year and last year. And as well, farmers moved to grow more iceseed rape. So iceseed rape has increased by about 4,500 hectares to 19,000 hectares. And people moved to iceseed rape um, last August because there was a good price there um, available for iceseed rape. And, and those two crops are good break crops and it's good to see tillage farmers moving to those crops. But ultimately then, that means that we have less of an area of cereals and then we have less grain and less straw available for our livestock sector. Have you estimated how many round bales fewer will be available this year compared to 2022? Yeah, so a rough calculation will be down about 400,000 round bales, so around four by four bales of straw. Um, and that's, you know, that's based on about 10 bales to the acre. And, and people will say, I'm not getting 10 or I'm getting more than 10. But that's kind of the average when we go across winter and spring crops. That's what we come to. Um, and then the amount of grain that we're, we're estimating that we're down is about 440,000 tonnes. Put that into perspective. So last year, we produced about 2.4 million tonnes of wheat, barley and oats in this country. And, and that was a, you know, there was record crops last year. There was record yields. On average, we usually produce about 2.2 million tonnes of wheat, barley and oats. Um, so this year, if our estimates are, are kind of right, um, we will have about 2 million tonnes of wheat, barley and oats in the country. So that's a significant drop. And just as well, about 300,000 tonnes of that grain is used, um, it's barley that's used in the drinks industry. So we're back, to, we're back down again then. There's another, so we have, we have a lot less grain available um, for, for feed this year. Um, and that the grain, so the grain production has gone down as a result of um, less land. Um, for cereals, but it's also gone down because we're we're estimating that yields will be back. So we have less, we have about 30,000 hectares less winter cereals in the country because the winter was so wet, farmers didn't get them planted. And of course, our winter cereals yield a lot, a lot higher than our spring cereals. So we've less winter cereals. Weather was also bad for our winter cereals. So while there's there are some really good winter crops out there. There is also some really bad winter crops out there because rain didn't allow people to get fertilizer and sprays out on time on those crops. And then again, we had a wet March in early April and um, tillage farmers didn't get to sow the majority of their spring crops until the last two weeks or so. And that, we think, is, is going to impact on yield as well. You know, all things would suggest that the later you sow your spring crops, um, the lower your yields will be. But look, time will tell on that. Spring crops that are planted in the last two weeks are up now and they're flying and they've got their nitrogen. So hopefully those crops will do well. Can farmers, can tillage farmers realistically expect to get more for their grain and straw in the present situation, the situation now developing? I mean, our grain price, John, is is, is based on world markets. So... Um, 
you know, if we're if we're short grain, we will import grain, and you know, while you know it might add a bit of tightness to supply, it's unlikely to to hit our prices very much um, in our grain prices. But certainly, a shortage of straw in the market, the, it'll certainly help the price of straw. I suppose we have the straw and corporation scheme there at the minute. So farmers can, can have the option to chop their straw and get paid 250 or a hectare for chopping that straw. And about 52,000 hectares of straw were chopped in Ireland last year. So, I mean, there's certainly, all things would point to an increase in straw price this year, whether that will come or not. You know, so we've, 20, we've 17,000 hectares less cereals in the country. We have um, less winter crops, which would have higher straw yields. And then we have the option of the straw incorporation scheme there as well, which was which was well subscribed last year. So um, certainly, you know, things would point to certainly a good floor being placed on the straw market, but really it's too early to say on that. As regards the Ukraine, the situation in Ukraine, we've seen there how some of Ukraine's neighbours, uh, Poland, etc., they attempted to stop grain coming in, grain intended to feed uh, people in the third world, etc. The Poles and other East European neighbours of the Ukraine, they claimed that grain was coming in from the Ukraine and not going any further, not going off to those overseas countries. So... Is the Ukraine situation, is the Ukrainian situation likely to influence us? So that grain, basically those countries weren't happy because the grain was, was coming into those countries and, and wasn't moving on and, and farmers were saying it was affecting their prices. And as far as I understand, there's an agreement reached now where where grain will be able to pass through those countries um, but, won't, but won't stop um, in those countries. So, look, at the minute, we're at a situation where there's loads of grain on the market and the world reports are saying that, you know, the European reports are saying that yields are, are generally up in crops. Wheat crops in America aren't doing too good, but maybe won't affect us that much. There's a record oilseed rape crop coming from Australia at the minute. There's a record corn crop coming from Brazil on the way. So all things would point to loads of supply. Um, and we, we certainly do get get grain from, from Ukraine um, and we've, we've gotten it in other years as well so um, look there's there's certainly no issue around um, supply across the globe there's there's plenty of there's plenty of grain out there at the minute unless some you know a weather event um, comes to decrease yield Thank you very much indeed Dr Siobhan Walsh Tillage Editor Irish Farmers Journal for clarifying the background to the banner headline story in this week's Irish Farmers Journal 6th of May 2023, and that's grain area and straw supplies to plummet. Thank you very much indeed, Siobhan. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr. Oshin Coakley, Agricultural Cashman's Programme Advisor, Tim League in the west of the county, connected to Clonakilty Agricultural College, Rara Clonakilty. First of all, Oshin, welcome to the programme. Now, the ACPs are the Agricultural Catchment Areas, the Agricultural Catchments Programme. What is it? Thanks, John. The purpose of the Agricultural Catchments Programme is to evaluate the nitrates regulations and its derogation. Um, the Timalee catchment has been in place since 2009 and it was selected as the most suitable site to study the impact of intensive agriculture on water quality. Um, the ACP programme feeds into the nitrates regulation via its annual findings submitted to the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Housing, such as was the case in the latest fifth nitrates action programme. 
Now, what is this nitrates derogation we hear about? Put very simply, the nitrates derogation, it's a facility utilised by farmers whom are willing, and I suppose able, to farm to a very high environmental standard, allowing them to farm at a stocking rate of up to 250 kgs of nitrogen excreted per hectare, as opposed to the 170 kgs of nitrogen per hectare limit, which is set out in the Nitrates Directive as part of the overarching water framework directive. Can you please list uh, what ACP is looking for in water courses when it monitors? Simply, I thought the main data collected um, as part of the Agriculture Catchings Programme in Tim League and at the five other sites, because they've all the same experimental design, is overall load of water entering the catchment, basically rainfall, and leaving the catchment, basically discharge, Okay. Um, I, I suppose in between that the difference is basically the evapotranspiration then we're looking at the nitrate levels you know in milligrams per litre every 10 minutes at the outlet we're looking at phosphorus levels every 10 minutes at, 10 minutes at the outlet both total phosphorus and soluble phosphorus we're looking at total organic carbon 24-7 I suppose, 20, all the time we're looking at conductivity of the water which helps us to tell where the water is coming from or where it, what part of the landscape it's passed through. The turbidity levels in our turbidity reading of the water, which is basically the clarity or how cloudy the water is. And then we measure velocity and the level or the height of the water. We also measure temperature as well all the time. Then at different sites throughout the catchment, um, we're, we're measuring groundwater and soil water, nitrogen and phosphorus as well as metals and other constituents that are relevant to water quality. Could you briefly list the targets and challenges set out for Irish agriculture in relation to gaseous emissions and the water quality? When it comes to water quality, under the Water Framework Directive, all water bodies must achieve at least good water quality status by 2027. Gaseous emissions um, from agriculture, they must reduce by somewhere in the region of between 22 to 30% by 2030. Ammonia emissions from agriculture is also targeted for significant reductions of a, of 10% by 2030 and 5% per year thereafter. Why is it so important to monitor the use of nitrogen on farms? Use of nitrogen at the wrong time can lead to excessive loss of nitrogen in the form of nitrous oxide gas or N2O gas to the atmosphere, N2O has a very high global warming potential. Um, I suppose, so that's N2O losses. I suppose you could also have ammonia losses, which is chemical symbol NH3, is another possible gas which can be released by improper use of nitrogen, which is damaging to the environment. Nitrogen also can enter the water um, in the form of nitrate. Um, this also can have a detrimental effect on the environment. If it is leached into the water courses excessively, it can cause eutrophication, especially in our estuaries and coastal water bodies, especially, and, and say, when taking into account Cork has a big, um, of course, it has a big shoreline, basically, or a big coastal um, area. Um, I suppose some of the main measures, and very much, this is, there's an awful lot of measures, but some of the main measures that are, 
being focused on to mitigate um, against both these losses to water and air would be the use of protected urea, furthering their use of low emission slurry spreading equipment and at a very basic level to match application of nitrogen to plant growth. Now, the Agricultural Cashment Week 2023, when does that start and when does it end? It will be actually starting on Friday the 5th of May um, with a webinar and it will be ending. Um, it will be it'll be available online throughout um, from Monday the 8th, 9th, 10th and 11th of May and then it will be ending with a in-person open day event happening in the Timberley catchment on the Friday, the 12th of May at 11am. And everybody's welcome. We hope to get as much engagement on the day as possible from as many stakeholders, whether it be the public, farmers, um, uh, industry, whatever in the region. We're hoping to, to have a really big event with some good engagement on the day. There's going to be a lot of researchers talking uh, on the day, researchers and experts from, I suppose, basically it's focusing on water and air quality and especially uh, on the findings that we've had from Timothy Catchment. Now, this webinar, how can people register or find out more about this webinar? Yeah, so I suppose basically if, if, if someone goes on to the Chagas media channels, you can see it there. But um, I suppose, look, the easiest way would be probably to, to Google Agricultural Catchments Week 2023. And, um, you know, you, you'll find it there pretty easily. That's great. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Oshin Coakley, Agricultural Catchments Programme Advisor, Tim League, connected to the Clonakilty Agricultural College, Darara Clonakilty, County Cork in the rest of the county. Thank you very much indeed, Oshin. Yeah. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Costly development levies and water connection charges have been dropped for rural houses. One-off homes in rural Ireland will be exempt from County Council development levies and water connection charges from now until April 2024. The temporary development contribution waiver arrangements will apply for one year to all permitted residential development which commence on site between 25th of April this year 23 and 24th of April 2024 and is not completed later than 31st of December 2025. A Department of Housing spokesperson told Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, that, quote, the waiver arrangements are being applied irrespective of the date of planning permission for residential development availing of the scheme. The waiver arrangements will also apply to developments where a commencement notice was submitted to the local authority within the 28-day period prior to 25th of April this year, 23, and is on or after 28th of March, 23, or where a seven-day notice was submitted to the local authority on or after 4th of April, 2023. Full details set out in an article in the Irish Farmers Journal by Miss Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor of the Journal. A massive oversubscription of the new liming programme has raised questions over how much money farmers will receive for the scheme. Some 41,000 farmers applied for the scheme as of last week's deadline, with the highest application coming from counties Cork 
at 4,921, Galway 4,566, and Mayo 4,179. The scheme has a budget of 8 million euro with a grant rate of 16 euro a tonne. However, if demand was to be met, the government would need 72 million euro to accommodate all of the farmer applications. Farmers have applied for 4.5 tonnes of lime under the scheme, which is more than four times the annual lime application in a typical year. The Department of Agriculture said, despite the oversubscription, the scheme budget remains at €8 million. Supermarkets have slashed milk and butter prices in recent days amid growing farmer concern. Aldi, Lidl and Tesco and Supervalue have all cut 40 cents off the price of a pound of their own brand butter at 454 grams, down 12% from 3 euro 39 cents to 2 euro 99 cents. The cuts seen on shelves on Thursday morning also see the price of a half pound of butter 227 grams fall 14 cents or 7% from 1 euro 99 to 1 euro 85. Last Friday, the same supermarkets rolled out milk price cuts equating to 10 cents for a 2 litre carton of own brand milk. Price cuts were seen right across milk product ranges. Farm organisations have heavily criticised the milk and butter price reductions, which they say will be a direct hit to dairy farmers. ICMSA National President Mr Pat McCormack called on retailers to confirm that milk and butter prices cuts would be, quote, entirely funded out of their own margins and not from farmers. Weighing in, Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell said that, quote, under no circumstances should retailers reducing their prices be allowed to impact the price farm families receive for their hard work in producing world-class, safe and sustainable food. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr Stephen Robb, Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Stephen, first of all, welcome to the programme. Now, back on the 22nd of April, 2023, in the Irish Farmers Journal, you wrote a number of articles regarding renewables. What to know about TAMS 3 and solar PV? Some of the main points about what farmers should know about applying for the TAMS 3 and solar PV. TAMS 3, um, it's a new scheme. It's the third iteration of uh, of TAMS. Um, I suppose this year there is significant grants available for farmers um, who wish to install solar PV systems on their farms. Um, In fact, it's up to 60% uh, grant aid. Um, Now, the first TAMS tranche is is open um, there's going to be potentially two other tranches available um, to apply for this year as well so if you don't get in in the first tranche uh, or if you haven't started looking into it just yet um, there still will be um, there still will be uh, opportunities to apply I think it's June 16th sorry is the is the first date um, to apply before but look as, as I say if you can't if you haven't applied um, now you can apply later on in the year when the second tranche opens up and as you were saying there, Stephen, the first tranche of the SEIS is closing on the 16th of June, but that's the closing date for the first tranche. There will be others. Now, just referring, taking some of the points from your extremely detailed uh, double-page spread article in the Irish Farmers Journal, 22nd of April, 2023. The first uh, question to clarify can everyone avail of the 60% grant rate or just younger farmers? Yes, so everyone can avail of the 60% granted uh, rate for solar panels, not just young farmers. So it's open to everyone. 
That's wonderful. Now, does the SIS have a separate investment ceiling? Yes, it, it does. So basically, farmers can apply for the SCIS, which is the Solar Capital Investment Scheme, which is under TAMS 3, um, and they can apply for uh, granting it up to €90,000 uh, towards the cost of solar PV investment um, without impacting your ability to apply for other TAMS items, um, you know, such as uh, milk and parlors or, or grain dryers or whatever. So it's an entirely separate um, tranche or it's an entirely separate uh, investment ceiling uh, off TAMS. Now, just to clarify, what's eligible in the grant? What's included in the grant? For example, would batteries be included in the grant we're talking about? Yes. So, look, um, pretty much all um, elements and items associated with the the installation of a solar PV system are covered. So that's your solar panels, that's your inverter, it's controllers, isolation switches, um, cables, and, of course, batteries. Um, Now, there are some terms and conditions associated with the batteries. So, for example, you you can, you can get the 60% grant aid um, on batteries, but the size of the battery is limited to, to around about half of the size of the solar system you're installing. Um, not quite sure why they're doing that. It's a bit of counterintuitive, but that's what it is. So, um, so yes, you can uh, get a grant aid on batteries, but only to 50% of the size of the solar panel system you're installing. Speaking to Mr. Stephen Robb, the Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Uh, Stephen, very important, this is the point at which many farmers uh, lose uh, hope and they say this is too complicated, or of course you can always get some specialist to do it for you. But how would a listener, how would a farmer work out the reference costs of the solar panels? I know that's quite complex and the department will be involved. So, how would a lister, a younger farmer, for example, work out the reference costs of the solar panels? So the, the reference costs, in other words, what the department deemed to be the cost of the, the solar panels, they're available in a document on the Department of Agriculture's website um, under the, the SCIS. Basically, you go onto the document um, and you'll scroll down and you'll look for the reference costs for solar panels and what that will involve or what that will show you is basically the, the department will give you an estimated cost per kilowatt hour of, um, of solar PV. Um, the cost is actually 1,441 euros per, per installed kilowatt. Um, so you multiply the size of the system that you want to uh, install. So say you want to install a, a 10 kilowatt uh, solar PV system, you multiply that by the department's reference cost, um, 1441, uh, and then you add uh, 1849, that's just something that the department do, and that's that's a figure that you add on to, and then that gives you your reference cost. So working through the department's reference cost, a 10 kilowatt system would cost um, around about 16,000, uh, we'll call it 16,200 euro. So that's what the department say says that that's what the 10 kilowatt per system costs, and then farmers are eligible to claim about 60% of that uh, 16,200 euro um, cost. Uh, in other words, that would be about 9,000, 10,000 or so. Um, so that's what the grant would cover, and then the farmers pay the rest. So it's only going to be about six or 7,000 or so. So it's, it's, it's quite good, um, and, the, and, the, and the formula is, is all spelled out, uh, and it's relatively simple. It can be found on that reference uh, cost document.
Now, as regards choosing a panel, some people, you know, they don't realize there are different types of panels, and very important to know the properties and other aspects of the different types of panels. So to clarify, how many different types of panels are there? Is it limited to just a couple, or are there tremendously varying amount of uh, panels with different properties, different powers to generate energy? Um, there, there are generally two different types of panels available in Ireland. There, there are a number of different types of panels, um, but realistically there's only two that are commercially used um, and available in Ireland. And those are called glass foil panels and glass glass panels. Um, basically, glass foil panels would be a little bit cheaper. Um, they would have a layer of glass, then you'd have the uh, photovoltaic cell, and then you'd have foil underneath it. Um, and they would typically have a, a, a lower kind of uh, performance guarantee associated with, with the panels. Uh, so in other words, their their efficiency or their ability to reduce electricity would reduce quicker than, than the than the other um, type of panels, which uh, which are, are called glass-glass panels. So they're the kind of considered the more premium product. Glass-glass um, would be, you have a layer of glass, you have photovoltaic cell, and you have another layer of glass underneath it. So they're more expensive. Uh, on average, but they would have a longer life expectancy um, and also typically come with a longer performance guarantee. So in other words, they they would produce electricity at a higher rate for for longer. Now, you pay for it. Um, they They are more expensive, but look, given the lifetime of the panels between 25 and 30 years, it does pay for it itself to to go for the, the kind of more premium expensive panels, especially if you're getting a 60% grant aid on it. Now, Stephen, it can be very difficult. It can be stifling when you're confronted with uh, regulations and rules. When you try to do anything, if you try to construct something or do anything, you find the rules and regulations are there, and they're often very, very detailed. But would you need planning permission for any type of solar panel on your roof or elsewhere? No, the, the vast, vast majority of, of farmers and listeners now won't have to apply for planning permission to, to install solar panels on their roof or on their um, on their house. There are a number of exceptions if you're close to an airport and in what's called a solar uh, safeguard zone, um, or if you're going for a for a considerably large uh, system, um, not so much on the roof but ground mounted, um, then you're into into planning territory. But look, for the vast vast majority of us, we don't have to apply for planning anymore, which is fantastic. Now, of course, when people think of installing panels, they're thinking of generating electricity and avoiding having to pay the authorities or pay the electrical company or Electric Ireland for power. But say you generate more power than you actually need, can you export or can you sell or can you link into the grid in some way and get paid for any surplus uh, energy, electricity generated by your panels, whatever type you choose? Yes, yes you can. Um, so look, it's now pretty much our, our legal right um, for everyone listening, for every citizen in Ireland to, to, to sell uh, surplus electricity back to the grid or back through the grid um, and get a, a competitive market rate for that electricity. Um, and farms are no different. Now there are a million and one uh, different caveats that go into uh, explaining how much electricity you can export back to the grid. You know, grid location capacity, everything comes into uh, comes into play there. But 
look, the the kind of main message is that it is possible to to sell back to the grid and to and to get paid for it. Now the challenge with department, or sorry, the challenge with TAMS funded panels um, is that the department don't want to fund you or give you a sixty percent grant aid to install a, a, a solar PV system that you're going to export most of the electricity to the grid. Um, they, they 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 don't want to do that. Um, instead, they want to fund the panels to uh, help you over the cost of it to displace important electricity. So, in other words, the department will limit the size of solar panels that you can install on your farm to pretty much match up with what your farm actually uses and what your farm actually needs. And that's done through um, a, a, an on-farm solar PV survey, which must be submitted to the department before applying for grants or for TAMS. So basically, um, the size of the panels, which the department will fund you for, will just about kind of cover your, your farm's needs. And there's not going to be that much available to export to the grid anyway. Um, but but it, but it is possible, you know, for times of maybe lower electrical use on farm and, and high generation. And um, now there's nothing stopping you then from going a step further and installing your own panels, not through TAMS, but just incurring the cost yourself or availing of an SEEI uh, grant and exporting it all to the grid, that's entirely possible. Well, that really is excellent. What we've done there, speaking to Mr Stephen Robb, Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, what we've done there is we've taken a few of the FAQ's frequently asked questions, which were set out in your article, your double-page spread article, in the Irish Farmers Journal, issue 22nd of April, 2023. We've just taken a few of the questions, but an enormous amount of FAQs outlined by you there, uh, Stephen. Now, could I just ask you, how would people go about applying for this scheme? We call it the Solar Capital Investment Scheme, SCIS, part of TAMS 3. Um, you can apply for it through the department's agfood.ie website. So basically the same website that you would go to to complete your uh, nitrate records or your uh, BPS or, or, or BIS payment now. Um, so it's all there and it's under the SCIS tab. But look, a lot of your listeners will, will probably work with their advisor to, um, to complete this application. Uh, and indeed, there's actually... Uh, private consultants out there who will come onto your farm and do the on-farm solar assessment and, and figure out what size of panels you need and actually go ahead and, and, and submit the application for you. So there, if you can't do it yourself, there are a number of other options um, in which you can get an application submitted. The scheme will run for five years, and I understand from your article there'll be about two more tranches, two more tranches this year. So try and get into the first tranche closing 16th of June but not to worry if you miss that there'll be about two more this year and over well two more over the, the five years so thank you very much indeed Mr Stephen and Rob Renewables Editor Irish Farmers Journal thanks a million Stephen no problem John you're welcome IFA Dairy Chair Mr Stephen Arthur said there's only one loser when supermarkets engage in price wars and that is the farmer the latest announcement of a reduction in the retail price of butter follows a cut in the retail price of milk announced last weekend. Permanent TSP Mallow are hosting an agri-event entitled Farming into the Future. Venue will be Cork Mart's current event centre for Moy. The date, Tuesday 9th of May at 7.30pm starting off. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, Animal Health and Welfare Chair, 
Mr Hugh Farrell has welcomed progress made by the Deer Management Strategy Group in tackling the deer issue following a stakeholder meeting in Portlaoise on 27th of April 2023. The IFA will host an information meeting on May 10th at 8pm in the Tullamore Court Hotel regarding the proposed EU nature restoration law and the potential implications for farmers and farmland. We offer our sincere condolences to Mr Dermot Kelleher, Irish Cattle and Chief Farmer Association, ICSA National President, on the recent passing of his beloved wife Mary. We extend our condolences to all members of the Kelleher family on this sad occasion. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors, Barry O'Mahony, News Editor, 96FM and C103, and Marie Tuig, 96FM and C103 News Reporter, and also creator of the weekly Farm Talk podcasts. A very special thank you to the listener for tuning in, 7am to 8am on Saturday mornings, and 10pm to 11pm on Wednesday evenings. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.